This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Deep breath, Jack. Do you know it just got delivered to me? Like 15 minutes before we sat down to record. You're newly? No, not newly, but I did get like a really good order from them. No. What? My meds for egg freezing. <gasps> There's so many. There's so many, Jack. What? It was a very surreal moment. I'm like looking at all these like injectable pens and these things to like mix and solutions and like pills. Like, <sighs> have you had your initial meeting with Dr. Ultra yet? Yes, I have met okay. with Dr. Ulcha. I'm getting my initial lab work done on okay. Monday, and then the medications are in route yes. currently. Yes, the meds okay. are in route. Right, so wait, so are these meds in your fridge? Yeah, they're in my fridge. I put them in the fridge right away. You, I wish you guys could see my face right now. I'm like... I know, you're like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening, Danielle. We're, it's happening. Like, this is not something we're just talking about anymore. Like, no, we're, like we're, there, we're are, there are... There are... Thousands of dollars worth of medication in my fridge right now. <laughs> Please, no one break in. I know. How, just a quick update. How, how's life off of birth control? How's life with, we're freezing in a few weeks. Are we doing anything for the mind, body, spirit to support yourself as we're heading into this? So life off birth control, it was a little rough, you know, apparently there's this whole like withdrawal thing that happens and you just have a very, very, in my case, heavy bleed. Yes. The withdrawal bleeding. Yeah. A withdrawal bleed. Yeah. That wasn't fun. But other than that, I've been just trying to sit with everything that I'm feeling. Michael Mm. has been amazing. He's been like, Babe, I'm so proud of you for doing this. Like, I've got the whole week blocked off. So, like, I'll be in New York with you and be there with you. Like, he is just, oh, my God, chef's kiss. Boyfriend of the year. Boyfriend of the year. Boyfriend of the year. We love this. But I have been looking, like, I want to know how to sustain our bodies through this. Like, Mm -hmm. what's the best food? What's, you know, like, what are good things to do to produce or just like keep ourselves centered on our mental health, like in check. Absolutely. This, so. And we are so lucky because one, if you tune into our episode last week with Dr. Tamika Zori, we have her now on a personal group chat that I named eggs 
Ova. 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 <laughs> easy. So not only do we have Dr. Tamika from last week on personal group <laughs> chat to give us advice, but we just had the most enlightening conversation with Dr. Uma Naidu. We are so excited to share this one with you guys. She is a nutritional psychiatrist at Harvard Medical School. She is the director of nutritional and lifestyle psychiatry at MassGen and director of nutritional psychiatry at MGH Academy. She also serves as faculty at Harvard Medical School. No big deal. No big deal. She's also in Wall Street Journal, is a best-selling author. We go into depth talking about her book, which is called This Is Your Brain on Food. Highly, highly recommend you guys check that out and follow her on Instagram. We hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did. We will catch you on the other side. Dr. Uma, welcome to the WOMED. I am so excited to have you on. I am such a big fan of your work, of your book, and you are a dream guest of mine to have on, and I'm so ready to dive in. You are a Harvard-trained psychiatrist, a nutritional psychiatrist, professional chef, a best-selling author. I am just, how did you get into this field? How, I have so many questions, but I just kind of want to know First off, how, what drew you to this field of medicine? Well, firstly, uh, ja Jackie and Daniel, thank you for having me and hosting me. It's awesome to be here. You guys are doing great work. And thank you uh, for, you know, helping mental health professionals and others in the field, uh, clinicians. Because certainly we all, we all need some support. That's, it's a long story, but, but I'll try to give you the quick, the quick version. You know, I grew up in a family surrounded by a lot of food and love and uh, spending time in the kitchen, watching my mom, my grandmother, my aunts cook meals was very much a part of my, uh, my life. So this played into um, how I thought about the world. And there was also very strong influence around medicine in my family. And it was just natural that I found my way to medical school. But I also realized that, you know, no one was talking to patients about what they were eating very much. I mean, you take a social history, we ask them questions. It really struck me early in residency in mental, in psychiatry, patient kind of, you know, very timid, the junior resident and, and patient kind of yelled at me for prescribing an SSRI and he felt that I'd caused him to gain weight because he read the side effects. But I know from the, the chart and from everything that I, I could check the, uh, his online data and stuff that it, medication hadn't, hadn't caused weight gain. He'd already been struggling a little bit. And what occurred to me in that moment is he had this massive cup at Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And I said to him, you know, we'll call him Bill. And I said, Bill, t tell me what you put in your coffee. And part of it, I have to admit, I was a timid resident and maybe I was just trying to distract him. But I inadvertently kind of struck on something important. And I obviously had this theme of food and nutrition in my head. And so, you know, this is what I put in. And it turned out he was putting a quarter cup of processed cream and eight teaspoons of sugar which I calculated for him and explained to him how much of uh, how many empty calories he was consuming and how much sugar that was. And I saw his eyes lit up. And his kind of aha moment was a different kind of aha moment for me because I realized, wow, if I can interpret that to a patient, they feel empowered to make a change because you immediately want to know, well, what can I do? You know, tell me how. And we grew to have a really good therapeutic relationship. He just needed a low dose of an SSRI, but we 
we, he benefited from all of the lifestyle measures around nutrition and encouraging him to exercise and things like that. And because I felt it was valuable, I continued to include that in my work. And later on, all sorts of things happened. I went to culinary school. I had studied nutrition, so that was already part of my background. And then um, I had the opportunity to start the clinic at Mass General in nutritional and metabolic psychiatry, which was a dream come true. It allowed me to see individuals for this specific reason that led to my book. That's it in a nutshell. There are lots of diversions we can go on, but you know, this it was sort of a theme in my life that. Um, I didn't know it would come together in this, is this, in this amazing way that I feel best for. So. I think that's so fascinating because there's such a correlation, whether people are aware of it or not, with how you feel and what you eat. And there's the whole concept of comfort food, right? Like if I make this special dish that has like a lot of meaning to me, I'm going to feel better or it's going to be comforting. But it might not actually contribute to making your brain and like body actually feel better. Have you kind of like studied that dynamic at all? I mean, I'm sure you've had, but it's you're absolutely right. And Daniel, it comes up so often because you know people tend to, especially in the in the years we've had, people are really seeking comfort foods, and unfortunately, comfort foods of discomfort for the brain is is how I I talk to my patients about, it. and the reason is that. In the short term, those simple carbs, those, you know, the highly sugared foods or highly starchy foods do actually have, make us have a good feeling because of some chemical reactions, transportation of tryptophan, and you have sort of a short term nice feeling, but then you do have a crash and the long term effects are very negative on the brain. And what also happens is you tap into that craving cycle. We know from research that sugar acts in the dopamine pathways in a similar way to cocaine. So when you're, you know, reaching for those donuts and thinking about, you know, the the hospital uh, when we'd be on call and the on call room or the uh, nurses station or the, all of the rooms that we interacted, usually, you know, donuts and things like that. Were, you're not going to find you weren't you weren't usually going to find crudités, you know. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think about it as as res- <laughs> how we how we would eat, and, and I realized the. That although I was always aware of healthy eating, I realized that, you know, with stressful situations, how you can just diverge from that. But also, you get caught in the cycle and then you want more of it because your body craves more of it. And now foods are engineered. I mean, research has been done about this. They're engineered to be hyper palatable. So they, you, you know, you eat it and then you want more of it. And it's related to how your brain is working too. So I think we we just need to find solutions for ourselves. So most of our community at the WOMED are healthcare workers with, I believe, a pretty good understanding of physiology and how the brain works, how the body works. But I would love to back up just for a second and have your take and just in layman's terms for maybe for our non-healthcare people a little bit more information about the enteric nervous system and how our diet is linked to the brain. Let me start with how the gut and brain are connected and then we'll go into the enteric nervous system. So the gut and brain, people don't realize there's a connection because they're not organs that are close by and they actually originate from the exact same cells in the human embryo and the neural crest. So what happens is these organs form and they divide uh, divide a, a part in the body, but they're connected by the vagus nerve. 10th cranial nerve. 
which I like to remind people is like a two-way text messaging system for chemical messages. So that's one component of it. But then you realize, you know, there's these trillions of gut microbes and they, they're living there to help us, or maybe they don't always help us depending on how we eat. But then 70% of your immune system is in the gut. Um, 90 to 95% of your serotonin receptors and, recept and, and serotonin itself is made in the gut. So you start to realize that the gut is a bigger player in this whole, in our whole body. And, you know, we start to realize that mental health and psychiatry is not just an above neck science, it's the whole body. And one of the things that really helped that come forward is this gut brain connection. Now, when you look at the enteric nervous system, you have the central nervous system in the brain and the spinal cord, but you also have a massive number of nerves that innovate the, the uh, gastrointestinal system. That's the enteric nervous system. And it's the second largest nervous system in the body. So, you know, that's, that's uh, something that we should be paying attention to because when you put those facts together, you realize, well, food and you, you consume food, digestion begins. But when those foods, and I always like to say people to people, you can go to the fast food restaurant every day, or you can have that healthy salad. Those choices impact the gut microbes. They react within about two hours, but their changes you may not see. So if they're causing inflammation, because you're mostly going to fast food restaurants, that inflammation will get set up over time. And the breakdown products of digestion are toxic to the single cell lining of the gut. And over time, you can get things like leaky gut and intestinal permeability. If you're eating the healthier diet, those breakdown products are those short-chain fatty acids, which we love because they're helpful, they heal the gut, they fend off inflammation. And those, those two very simplified pathways are what, are what happens with food. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I feel like there's a lot of terms that, like leaky gut or like adrenal support or stuff like that, that's you know, maybe considered more holistic, how do, how do we start bridging that gap with like more Western medicine and just really start emphasizing like what we eat directly impacts our health? Like, I mean, we, we talk about it with diabetes and stuff like that, but 
it still feels like there's like a weird dichotomy between like actually talking about like the gut brain, like access and correlation. I've even had uh, patients, Daniel and Jackie say to me, I spoke to a doctor. They said to me that leaky gut doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I've had I've had patients tell me that. Now, I think that you make a really good point. You, you know, in my clinic, I've had the opportunity to bring forth a holistic and integrated approach in psychiatry. But the truth is that psychiatrists are generally not practicing this way. And in terms of my colleagues and other specialties, not everyone really believes in that integration. Um, I think the fields of lifestyle medicine, integrative uh, medicine, nutritional psychiatry, as we continue to bring this field forward, uh, as we kind of really get out of our silos and start to work together, we can really impact a food as medicine movement. Because I think that is important for people to understand, but not just make the statement and leave it there. Explain to people how food actually impacts their mental health, their physical health. You know, mental health is metabolic health. And as I say that to, to, to women, I'll also add the nuance that Metabolic health in women is different uh, because we are different. And so we have to always add these nuances. We have to collaborate with one another and almost help educate one another and lift up the message. Because if not, patients are told that doctors don't believe in certain things and then they feel doesn't really matter. I'm eating mostly healthy. But when you mm-hmm. actually ask about the eating, you realize not. So education and integration of our work and being less siloed is, is what we need to try to, to break down these barriers. I feel like it just leads to distrust when you have like some doctors be like, no, this doesn't exist. And you're like, but here's some research right. that has been studied that yeah. says it does, says that there are direct correlations. So I, I encourage my patients to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason the reason that they need to, and I don't necessarily support the, the Dr. Google idea because people can also find a lot of misinformation on the wrong sites, but I do encourage them to find a way to get some legitimate research about their condition if they believe they have it. And, you know, go in and speak to have a conversation with their doctor so that they go in informed and empowered. Mm-hmm. Because nutrition is one pillar, right? It's not just the only thing. Exercise, hydration, so many things are important. But it is one thing they can actually act on mm-hmm. and speak to their doctors about. Mm-hmm. So if they go in with a little bit of information, um, they need to feel respectful but empowered as as the doctor needs to be as well, respectful and mm-hmm. open to those ideas. And unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. So, and part of it, honestly, is is one in five medical schools teach nutrition in the U.S., even though some schools are better than others. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, doctors are really not, don't have the tools to speak about nutrition. I agree. I think that's where a huge, a huge problem lies. And hopefully we're headed in the right direction. I work as faculty at the University of Illinois College of Nursing. And I know for sure our students get very, very minimal nutrition. If they do, it's it's in the diabetes and the cardiovascular disease. It's rarely talked about in terms of mental health. And even when topics come up, like we were talking about C. diff being caused by so many antibiotics and throwing more antibiotics at people and just completely destroying their gut flora. Um, and even like having students bring up, oh, well, what about probiotics? It's such like a, a topic that we are so nervous, I think, in Western, I quote, Western medicine to start talking about probiotics and the gut microbiome, even though there's so much evidence. So I kind of want to talk a little bit more about this 
relationship between the gut microbiome and our mental health? Because it sounds like for me, it's almost like this debate between the chicken and the egg, like which one came first. And I know that this is, this is a different for every single patient, every single person, but you can have a unhealthy gut microbiome that can disrupt the brain, but you can also have a stressed brain that can disrupt the gut microbiome. Mm. Can you describe this relationship a little bit more? Happy to. And by the way, you know, I, I just want to, I, I want to say something about the gut brain connection. It may not be that, that everyone believes it or reads about it, but the research is, is there. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I was able to write my book. The, you know, if, if you went to medical school a couple of decades ago, you weren't learning about the gut microbiome because mm-hmm. the science is about two decades old. But you know, if anyone has questions, Hippocrates alluded to this eons ago, the father of allopathic medicine, you know, and there has been ongoing research to show these connections. Now, is it diagnostic? Are we, are we in science? We're never 100% certain. There's always a debate. There's always a discussion. There's always evidence that we need to, to look for. But there's enough of a pattern to understand that trials have been done comparing an SSRI to a probiotic. And the probiotic mm-hmm. actually did well. So we can't ignore that. It just, for me, it's an option that someone can have. Now, granted, probiotics are supplement and the regulations are different, but they, you know, they, they can be potentially helpful to people, but so can food. But coming back to your question, I think, I think you raise a really great point because this is a, a bidirectional ecosystem, the gut and brain. And so there are some people who've just been consuming a bad diet without knowing it, uh, maybe have a family history, maybe have environmental and other genetic factors, and they're prone to a certain condition. But there are also individuals who are walking around with so much stress, and we know that stress and emotional stress, in fact, I write about this in my book, if you've had a tough day at work and argument with your boss, you know, uh, a fallout with your spouse or your partner, your gut microbes respond and react. So emotional stress, and research has shown this, impacts those microbes. So the truth is that it is bidirectional, and it can originate in either place, and we don't all always know, like you said, chicken egg, we don't always know which comes first. The science is not there yet. What I'm excited about though is there are a lot of cutting edge, you know, microbiome testing companies looking at really cool things like the genomics in the microbiome and looking towards personalized um, treatment interventions. So, you know, there's mainstream medicine of the research we're doing in academic hospitals, but there are also companies kind of in parallel to the medical system doing some really cool research too. So I feel this hope that these parts will come together and we will have more options. I remember you said that in the book that it takes one of your studies that you quoted, it takes two hours of stress to change the gut microbiome. Yes. That like, it's, it's so, I mean, it may, like, I, I believe it, but then my next thought is I think about people that are under chronic stress, which a lot of us are, especially those of us in healthcare that are working extremely demanding jobs, extremely demanding hours. And then we have families and school and job, you know, other things going on. I think about what happens when it's not just two hours, but we're talking two days, two weeks, two months, two years of a pandemic of stress and what that can do to the microbiome and into our mental health. So let's start with the mental health 
part first, because one of the things that we know a new data um, coming out, you know, that was done during and, and in this phase of, of COVID has shown an uptick of mental health conditions. And I know that's not a surprising comment, but there's both an association with long hauler syndrome and people having more brain fog, exhaustion, just inability to function, depression. And then there are those um, newer diagnoses, maybe long haulers is not involved, but new diagnoses of um, depression and anxiety. We also know that other conditions that have worsened during the pandemic are insomnia, so much so that it's called coronasomnia. And we know that substance abuse has increased during the pandemic. Now, if we were to then think back to see, well, what, you know, what has been happening? There's the emotional stress that frontline workers have been going through and are continuing to go through. Uh, it's really not relented for them. And that chronic stress sets up our bodies into a system of just continued stress. And the microbiome is definitely affected. How we eat is definitely affected. Um, processed food sales have been up in the U.S. since March 2020. It hasn't really relented. Some food companies even went back and started processing more canned soup and crackers and things like that because the demand increased. And this was, you know, during COVID. So I, I, if you think about the impact of food, then the impact of stress, we're kind of not in a great time right now. And it's showing in the statistics. A CDC um, report in June of summer of 2020 showed that 11% of Americans were thinking about suicide. And that was very alarming, very, very alarming. And then, you know, as we go through all of this, you see increased suicidal ideation and completed suicides in teenagers and adolescents. And then just, you know, almost these random, random yet not random because it's occurring in different parts of the world. And maybe it's, if it's a celebrity, we see it on the news or we hear about it, but it's happening in everyone's community. So this level of stress and burnout is just not good for any one of us. It's not good for us as healthcare workers. It's not good for the community. What, what do we do? Well, I think for one thing, we need to acknowledge and support one another as, as we all are doing by, by sharing this kind of information. Um, I know that the hospitals are making a lot of internal um, almost uh, reconfigurations to help create more support for staff more support for those with children, more support, you know, for those with different conditions, meditation groups. One of the things that happened at our hospital is we have a program called um, the SMART program, which is uh, by the Benson Henry Institute. And it was one of the most popular programs for providers during the pandemic because the clinicians got on and just offered these services to our to our providers and to our frontline clinicians because they just needed somewhere to reduce that stress. Um, so things like breath work, things like learning, um, alternate nostril breathing, or something that when you're in that horrible situation, we've all been there, whether it's emergency room, whether it's the ward, whether it's a cold, whatever it is, that you can find a space even for three to five minutes where you, you know, you almost um, can check out of that environment and calm down your um, your system and reduce your level of stress. Mm. Of course, it's not always possible when there's an emergency, but somewhere in your day, start your day with mindfulness practice. And, you know, I've been, I've been in phases of being so busy that I've had to put it in my schedule because if not, 
I, I get up and my day is, it has taken over and I don't get to those practices that really help to center me. Um, simple things as well, hydration, hugely important. You know, dehydration can cause you to feel panicked, anxious. Um, mm-hmm. It's linked to depression. So just having that sustainable water bottle, filling it wherever you can, keeping it in your coat pocket or wherever you are. Simple, simple things that I think get lost when we are so riled up that we, we forget things that, um, you know, that we can be doing. But those are just a couple of things that we can be trying. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Is being that um, the majority of our audience, like, I feel like are mostly all health focused, very health focused, but also healthcare providers. We're working different shifts. You know, we have we have different schedules and that alone can like affect your mental health. If you're like on night shift and you're having to sleep during the day and let's face it at at night, we don't always have access to like healthier food options in the cafeteria, stuff like that. What kinds of things and like foods or I guess meal prep would you suggest for nurses and other healthcare professionals that are maybe doing shift work and would like to feel a little bit better <laughs> and have more energy? That's a great question. Um, I I read a lot for media and for for different blogs. I've written about like foods for fatigue and things. But let me let me kind of start with some some suggestions and tips. I think that as hard as it might be, if we don't put ourselves back in the picture. And, and I'm not saying this is easy because we all get so busy and start to do things like find a day of your meal prep. Like if you're a shift worker on Wednesday is your day, Wednesday is your Sunday, you make that work for you. If, you know, if it's a Friday, whatever it is, make it work for your schedule. You know, use, um, use those services that deliver groceries. So it's one less exhausting thing that you have to do and you may pay some fees, but that actually means you're not running around after work in your scrubs, trying to get to the supermarket. Um, you know, I've, I've made these mistakes. And, and I think that I've, I've really learned that there's some things that I need to pay for that help me. Now, would I love to be at a farmer's market picking up my vegetables? You know, the summer I get that chance and I, re- I relish it. But sometimes there are busy phases of the year that I, I don't have that luxury. So in order to eat healthy, I'm going to have the help of having the food delivered or ordering from online stores that will do, you know, whether it's regenerative farming or uh, Misfits Market, you know, they'll, they'll give you lovely produce, whoever it is. And I'm not associated with any of these companies, but a way that gets you the food. Once you have the food, that's one less step, one less uh, part while you're exhausted, and you can actually have it on your doorstep ready to prep. 
once you have that, you have a better plan. And then there's some, some simple things that I like people to be aware of. And some of these recipes are actually in my book. One is just uh, prepping chia pudding for three to five days at a time. Easy to do, sets overnight, two to three ingredients. And you can literally put a lid on it and take it to work in your bag like you would a yogurt. Um, another one is yogurt. Go for plain yogurt with um, and keep frozen berries. Don't worry about, you know, when you're not home for 48 hours, berries are fragile and they, and they can perish. So buy frozen. Frozen is equally delicious, equally nutritious. Um, and uh, wild uh, blueberries actually have more antioxidants. So f- try to find them frozen and keep that on hand. Um, another great meal, a meal prep trick is a little, your own little granola mix to keep in your pocket. You know, get those little sustainable um, reusable lunch bags, little pouches, and mix up a batch of raw nuts. I love to add extra dark chocolate. I know people are careful about chocolate I'm, I'm right now, but too. Uh, okay, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I need it. That, you know, you, you, you want some of that. And then I love to put um, coconut chips in it. So mm-hmm. just coconut flakes that are dehydrated, not the, not necessarily the one with added sugar, but it's something to crunch out. It's something to keep my mouth busy when I'm having that, you know, need to snack on something, but there are donuts in the, in the, in the uh, break room, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have that having things like apples or even being the person that brings that fruit basket to work, you know, people will laugh at you. Maybe, maybe some will eat it and some won't, but I, 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 I promise you someone will eat those apples or banana. Um, the other thing I love is if you consume eggs, um, making mini frittatas. To, so take your cupcake pan mm. and make a batch of an omelet mix, but just pour it into your um, cupcake pan and bake it in the oven. And when it's cold, freeze them, like freeze one or two, depending on how many you may want to eat. And then, you know, in the morning, just put them into or have them see, uh, frozen your little um, sustainable bag and pop them in your lunch bag. And so you have either a snack, something you can add to a salad that you can buy at work, and this becomes your protein. So you buy that big leafy green salad with veggies and legumes at work because most cafeterias will have that. And then you add, mm. you know, your nicely baked um, frittata with lots, mini frittata with lots of spinach and other things in it. Uh, so just a few things like that can make uh, make a very big difference. And I love to tell people to prep things in winter like soup. And they're these really great um, containers that you can freeze them by, I think, a cup or two cups and put it in your freezer that way. And lots of tricks that healthcare professionals can use because they're busy. So, you know, if you're able to find the, the container, you know, buy these and batch cook the soup uh, with chicken soup or vegetable soup, whatever you like, and freeze it. And, you know, just take out, take that out when you come home um, in the evening and, and, and heat it up and eat it. So, so that there's something, the more times we can take out that extra step of, oh, what am I going to eat for dinner? Um, you know, the more times we're going to be likely to make a better choice. So I think that, that mm. that's where the preparation is worth your physical and mental health. I feel like the preparation almost helps my physical my like mental health though too because like if I'm cooking for someone too like you're you're creating something special not just for like yourself but for someone else and I guess like even that simple thought of knowing that you're creating something you're cooking something that you know is going to be good for you 
is almost a little bit more sustaining. And, At least, like, and that's in a way healing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think when you make that mindful connection, it really is. It's so important. And I completely agree. But Dr. Uma, I also love how you mentioned that it's okay to order delivery foods, uh, meal preps yes. ahead of time. Because, well, first of all, your book for, for those, I highly encourage you to go get your book because you break it up by different mental illnesses or experiences that people have. So there's a, a chapter on depression, a chapter on anxiety and PTSD. And so you can kind of like pick and choose if, if you know you have one thing that you struggle with. Like for me, for example, I've experienced an extreme level of depression working as a frontline mm-hmm nurse through the pandemic. Um, I got started on an SSRI, which I think I, it was the first time I really started to understand the the gut uh, brain connection because the serotonin works directly on your gut. And I couldn't under, you know, you educate patients on when you start SSRIs that you can have nausea and changes in your GI system. You might have diarrhea, constipation, and it's because there's so many serotonin receptors in your gut and it literally affects your gut. So I remember when I started the medication being like, wow, this is, I had no idea that it affected, you know, you talk about it, but then you experience it yourself. Wow. I had no idea. And so, um, one, I just love that your book breaks it up in that way because it's so digestible and easy for people that are struggling or maybe they have a loved one that's struggling to kind of pick and choose and then go back and read through the different things. But for people that are experiencing things like depression, it's not super easy to say, oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to pick up all these things and then I'm going to make this meal. It's just not realistic for most mm-hmm. people, especially healthcare workers that are working crazy hours and shifts. So thank, I just thank you for, for saying that because I think it takes away a level of like stigma and shame yeah. and just pressure that we are already putting on ourselves that we have to make these massive life changes to be healthier and better mental health. Yeah, I think Jackie, you 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 make an excellent point, and and this is because you know I've experienced some of this myself, and I've been through it like all of you listening or as we are speaking, and I really had to decide as a chef. It, it, really bothered me that I couldn't choose my own food. I wanted to be in the supermarket. I wanted to get there. I wanted to, you know, do all these, had all these elaborate plans, but I was so exhausted and so burned out in the last few years that I just decided I'm going to give myself, it's going to be okay. I'm still going to get nutritious food. And, you know, the summer I will use as many of those farmers markets that I can, I can go to, but I'm still getting decent food. Um, and you know, I'm not picking up my cauliflower and I can live with that, but it was also a step that, you know, I, I would say to myself, well, you know, I'm paying all these fees for this, this delivery service. I can very easily, you know, um, uh, take, take a short ride to the supermarket. The truth is that took such a big step out of my day and freed up so much of time because mm-hmm. um, because of course I love the supermarket and then I go there and I spend a lot of time and then I'm stressed by the rest of my day being behind so I think just giving ourselves those chances meal preparation services meal delivery and you know if if you can't cook and uh, or you don't cook even something like buying a rotisserie chicken at a supermarket mm. is actually not a bad choice because yeah. here's the thing well and you could ask them most supermarkets just cook the chicken in a rotisserie oven in in its own skin. That's if you eat chicken. And it's pretty easy to make sandwiches, um, you know, soups. You could make salads, so many things just from that. 
And mm-hmm. so don't feel you have to cook everything from scratch. You can also do those things and even buy some frozen veggies. You know, frozen gets mm-hmm. a bad rap because of frozen dinners, but frozen veggies and frozen berries and stuff are good mm-hmm. options for us. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like I mentioned in your book, you go through the different chapters, but there's definitely some common themes with all of the foods you have. You talk about foods that support your mental health and foods that can really affect your mental health in not a great way. Can you just give our listeners a little sneak peek into some of those foods that will support them or will potentially harm them? So, you know, I want to preface this by saying that even in the evolution of my clinic, I used to be much more general and I think that you can you can go with these mm. foods and feel better. I really realized that because of the uniqueness of each of our, our microbiomes, so each our microbiomes are kind of like a thumbprint mm. that, that people do respond differently. So I would used to say, you know, many years ago, you really should increase all, all the fiber that you can in your diet because none of us in the US eat enough fiber, which is true. But someone with IBS, IBC, SIBO, and other issues, really, that might be too much for them. It might actually upset their stomach. So it has to be more nuanced and really personalized um, to the individual. That being said, I think there's some general guidelines we can follow. Um, Some of the things that are easy and within our reach are prebiotic foods. When I say prebiotic, most people think of a supplement, but you can actually get this from garlic, leeks, onions, bananas, oats, and I have listed these foods in my in my book, that actually these foods nurture and feed your gut microbes. Mm. So these are good to be taking care of your gut. Then there are things like yogurt, which contains live active cultures or prebiotics, but, uh, probiotics, but just Make sure you get the plain because a half cup, like we'll see in the cafeteria, um, could have the blueberries in it, but the fruited yogurt may have eight teaspoons of added sugar. Mm-hmm. So just buy plain and add in your toppings um, to that. Um, the other one is fermented foods. A really important study published in Cell in summer of 2021 done by a wonderful research group um, at, at Stanford actually showed that eating fermented foods lowers inflammation. And just something we didn't cover directly is that inflammation is being shown in research to be one of the underpinnings for conditions like depression, anxiety, cognitive mm. changes, and more. So eating those anti-inflammatory uh, fermented foods um, with those live active cultures, super helpful. Another one we've heard about omega-3s. So, you know, if you, if you eat seafood, um, fatty fish like salmon, and uh, remember that people who don't eat seafood uh, can get some short-chain omega-3s, the ALAs, from not as easily absorbed, but still it's some source of it, from walnuts, chia seeds, basil seeds, um, things like that. And they can always take a supplement. They can take an alcohol oil supplement mm. for those. So those are, those are some guidances to start. And then there are things like spices, herbs, teas that help. You know, don't overlook a passion flower, a lavender, tea mm. to calm yourself down, a mint tea to be refreshing and uplifting, or green tea, which has L-theanine or EGCG, which I will say to a lot of healthcare workers, have that in the afternoon, because instead of that extra mm. cup of coffee, and actually we have to reverse this, but also the night shift folks, if mm-hmm. you need that energy to get you through rather than having more coffee, certainly have your mm. coffee. There's no harm in that. I always say it, it's, it's a help. I, in the research I've done, I think it's a healthy substance. It's what you add to it that I think gets, uh, gets things out of whack and the caffeine that can affect people. 
and spices, spices and herbs are, are very powerful. And I write about different ones in my, in my book as well. So those are just some to get guidances to get you started. I think where people make the make don't always connect the dots is that they're foods that we think about. Oh, this is bad for my waistline or my weight, but they're actually incredibly bad for your mental health. Um, so they, you know, those are the ones you you want to kind of limit or cut back on over time. So I want to ask another little personal question because, as you know, like Jack and I are going to be freezing our eggs, and Jack keeps making the joke about she wants like the sexiest, hottest eggs. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be cute eggs. They're going to be really cute <laughs> eggs. They're going to be great, mature, cute eggs. Is there any sort of foods or supplements or um, things that we can do to nourish our bodies and our mental health um, during this time or like anyone who's going through any sort of um, fertility, fertility treatments journey. and stuff like that mm-hmm. that are really beneficial to a body during like all the added hormones and, you know, stress of uh, the process. So I think in terms of, you know, in terms of foods, I think I would lean on the antioxidant and um, anti-inflammatory rich foods, a great way to get some of these nutrients to decrease and fend off inflammation in the body because inflammation also gets set up from stress. So when your body is under stress, emotional or physical, you start to develop that. And one of my favorites, favorite um, vegetables to lean into are the cruciferous vegetables. Mm-hmm. So things like broccoli, cauliflower, broccoli. cabbage, Love Brussels sprouts. Great. These are not high calorie, very satiating because as your hormones, um, you know, are evolving through the process, you may have some cravings, you may feel a little bit off balance emotionally. And so you want to have foods that are satiating, that are filling, that, you know, kind of keep you from craving the unhealthy foods. Maybe maybe you, you obviously should have a piece of cake on your birthday if you want that. But <laughs> what I'm saying is you don't want to be relying on those foods. So that's a, that's a good group for us to work. Another thing to not to ignore leafy greens. So there's a lot of research. There's done quite a while ago by my mentors at Mass Journal that low folate is associated with low mood. Now, one of the best sources of folate is leafy greens. So mm-hmm. don't overlook the power of adding many um, servings of leafy greens and different varieties. I've recently been able to find dandelion greens, and I love them. So, mm-hmm. you know, expand your repertoire, make it interesting for yourself, um, and add those in. So definitely lean into those foods. Another thing that can be very healing for the body are things like spices. So the warming things like turmeric with a pinch of black pepper, Caprina black pepper makes the curcumin, which is the active ingredient, um, more bioavailable by, by about 2,000%. So mm. one of my favorite um, warming drinks was something I learned from my grandmother, which is like a golden chai. This has turmeric mm. and milk of your choice. I like to use a touch of honey as, as a source because I feel honey has other healing benefits. And that's just something that, you know, can can kind of nurture your body through through the process that you that you're going through, so those are just some ways to get started. Remember, hydration is is really key, um, and you know some people are mistaken or, or feel like you know I'm trying to give up soda, so I'm going to be drinking a lot of diet soda. Um, those options, you know, with the sweeteners can be very disruptive to your gut. Mm-hmm. So as best you can, you know, clear teas, 
Um, you know, if you could do consume coffee and you tolerate it, okay, some, some coffee once in a while or whatever you'd like to do. Um, I love people to flavor their water. Just, just if you feel like you want to, you're used to that, you know, bubbly, bubbly soda, maybe get a plain sparkling water and put in berries and citrus and things. Make it interesting for yourself, you know, so that, and also as you're going through this, um, I would say do some meal prep so that you, you have these things on hand as you're feeling fatigued or just a little bit kind of out of whack because you 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 know your body's going through this process. Such great advice. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Wow, that was so helpful. Thank you. I could honestly talk to you all day about nutrition and mental health. I think it is so interesting. But you have something new to announce, something new coming out on top of your book, which of course we will link in the show notes along with your website and your Instagram and everything like that. But please tell us about your new announcement. Thank you. Um, so by the way, to keep up with it, I'm up to join my newsletter, which you'll find on my website, womanidomd.com, because I tell tell people there what I'm up to. Um, mm. So I'll be announcing this as well, but you, you guys have firsthand knowledge. So one of the things that happened, um, Daniel and Jackie, was that people kept asking me during the pandemic, how can I learn more? How can I do more of this work? And that led to my working with the hospital to create the first CME program in nutritional psychiatry, so nutrition and mental health. And it's really intended for healthcare practitioners. Um, there's some CME credits that you can get. So anyone can take the course, but if you're looking for CME, certain specialties are covered. And it will launch at the beginning of March through the Mass General Hospital Psychiatry Academy. It's an online course. And I really hope that people will find it useful. The whole spirit with which we brought this forward was because we want clinicians to have more tools in their toolkit and at least be able to incorporate this, whether you're an orthopedic surgeon, um, a nurse specialist, a you know psychiatrist, or even a primary care doctor. We just want people mm. to have more ways to to use these tools. I'm going to take it. Will literally be, you have your first two customers. <laughs> yeah, right? we're here. We're your signing up. Students, <laughs> we're I'm there. excited. I love we it. We are there. Oh my gosh. And it's, it's all online, you know, because it, because we developed this during COVID, it's all online. So literally anywhere in the, anywhere in the world, you can sign on um, and uh, take the course and do it at your own own pace so that, uh, you know, because we, we're all busy, we might be able to watch it on our phone in the middle of the night or um, do it on a weekend, but it's meant to be that way because it's intended for healthcare professionals. Wow. You, <laughs> you are such a joy and I hope yeah. that, you know, we, we would love to have you back on the podcast oh, I, anytime. I would love to come. So please, I would love to come back. <laughs> if we spam you <laughs> it's with fun requests. To talk to you both. I'm more than happy to come back. Awesome. Yes. Dr. Uma, we cannot thank you enough for joining us on the WOMED. Again, yes, like Danielle said, we would absolutely love to have you back. Your work, I think especially, I'm just so grateful to see MDs and people in this like traditional Western world really moving the needle. I don't even want to say forward because some of it's even bringing it back a little bit to, uh, you know, different Eastern medicine traditions, but you are moving the needle so forward with the evidence-based nutrition and nutritional psychiatry. So for our audience, where can everyone find you and find information on your book, your Instagram, and this new course? Thank you so much. Um, thanks again for having me. Um, so go to my website. It's umanai.com. 
www.mda.com. You'll be able to sign up for my newsletter. That's where you'll catch the scoop on what I'm up to. But you also get a weekly update on the, we focus on one, I write about one different nutrient each week. And it provides people information and uh, you can literally go buy it or order it, you know, online. And then I um, also am on Instagram and other social media platforms at D-R-U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O. Um, through my newsletter and on Instagram and social media, we will announce the course and s- s- share the link when it's out, which we expect to be March 1st. Uh, you know, send me a DM. Uh, if you need more information, we're always uh, really happy to connect and support healthcare professionals in whatever way we can. Everyone, but also uh, healthcare professionals are dear to our heart too. Oh, Dr. Uma, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Jackie. Jack, I feel like I just want to sit in Dr. Uma's kitchen. I want like a a glass of wine and then I want like a stoneware mug of tea because I feel like she has like I was gonna say stoneware like honey chai golden milk. That's what I want. Yes. That sounds lovely. I'm gonna play around with recipes and I will I will find a good one and I'll send it to you because I, I I've been already working on something like that. I love me a golden milk latte. And you know what was, it's funny you say that, that you want to go hang out in, in her kitchen. For me, I started listening to her book on audiobook and she doesn't narrate the entire book on Audible, but she narrates the foreword in the, like the first chapter. So talking to her in person and hearing her voice, like speaking to her kind of was like, whoa, like, I, like she doesn't even know I've been listening to you speak. On audio Do you feel book. like a voyeur? <laughs> it was a very cool experience for me where I was like, oh, wow. Like the woman on the audiobook is talking back, like can speak back to me. <laughs> oh, my God. You were the cutest thing, Jack. I love that. This was a fun episode for me because I feel like I end up fangirling a lot. And it's really fun for me when I get to watch you fangirl over a guest. We've had some really incredible guests on lately. We've been so Mm -hmm. lucky. But Dr. Uma is one of those guests that I, I like, I found her, I read her book, I became literally obsessed with her work. And I sent Mm -hmm. it to you. And I said, Danielle, we need to get her on the podcast. Like it was you're like, use your blue check mark for good and DM this woman. (laughs) You guys, that is literally how the conversation went. I was like, it did. DM her with your blue check mark because mine's going to get thrown into the trash with all of the normal <laughs> people on social media. So, you guys, I hope that you love this episode as much as we did. Dr. Uma's book is it, it, honestly, as someone that has struggled personally with mental health the past few years, it has become a grail for me. It's something that I go back to frequently. I go back to the recipes. I go back to the tips. It's very digestible and easy to understand, even if you are in <laughs> Digestible. <laughs> you can really digest and absorb the information. <laughs> That was so cheesy. Before we let Jack get any cheesier, we will link all of the links to um, Dr. Uma and her book, her website, her new um, course that's coming out. All of that will be in the show notes. Till next week, Jack and I love you. Eat well. WOMED. Well